Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels such as Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Over the past four episodes this season, we've looked at the state of digital marketing, why digital marketing often fails, how to build the target audience, what type of content, and where you should market that content. Today's episode, we will be getting into the weeds about video. Social media has changed marketing in a big way, and the demand for video content has dramatically increased. At this point, video is almost a requirement to market effectively on these platforms. The challenges that businesses have is that they don't have a video production staff at the ready. How are businesses supposed to navigate these waters? Today, we're interviewing Ben Amos of Innovate Media and the host of Engage Video Marketing Podcast. We discuss strategies on how to build video for each step of the consumer journey, starting at the top of the funnel all the way down to the bottom of the funnel. If you're new to this podcast, we promised our listeners real-world campaign examples. In this episode, we deliver on that by getting Ben's commentary on a top-of-the-funnel video. Welcome, Ben. How are you doing? G'day, Julian. It's going well. How are you? You're in the future, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, it is tomorrow, your time. <laughs> time zones are weird, right? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. You're in uh, what part of Australia? So I'm in Queensland, Australia, on the on the east coast, and um, yeah, it's well, it's coming into summer here as well. There you go. So you guys got great white sharks over there. There are. Yeah, we don't see them every day, but they're out there somewhere. Nice, nice. Lots of well, things they- to kill you down here. Oh, man. Oh, shoot. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, You and I have had some really interesting conversations around organic. Um, We, on this particular podcast and what we do at Poppy Digital, we focus a lot on paid. And I think what we're going to be talking a lot about today is organic. So I'm really, really excited. Before we crack that open, I'd love to kind of hear, how did you get it started in video marketing? Yeah, so my my journey into, into video marketing and video strategy that I work in today really comes from from video as a background. So, you know, ever since I was a, a teenager, basically, I was interested in video creation. My dad had an old video VHS camera with, you know, the big old thing that you had on one shoulder and then the right. recording device was on the other shoulder. And so, you know, I, I kind of grew up mucking around with video content creation back in those days. And that led me into, into teaching video uh, and film and media in high schools. And uh, did that for seven years, but then just wanted to get out there and, and actually start creating content myself. So right. I kind of left the comfort and safety of teaching behind and started my own video production business. And uh, just got out there and started making video content for initially for weddings. So I was creating wedding films, um, did that quite successfully for a number of years, paid the bills, right. made the business somewhat successful. And then I moved into creating video content for for businesses and, and brands around our local area. What that ended up leading to was a realization about about five years ago that what we were doing in producing video content for businesses locally, just we were probably failing them somewhat. Mm. And what I mean by that is we were delivering video content and everyone was happy with the videos that we had created. Our clients were happy. We got paid. We moved on to go and find the next video production client, but then I would check back in on what that client had actually done with that video. And all they'd done is in one particular case, they'd just uploaded it to YouTube and it had amassed like 34 views in six months. And clearly 
that didn't return on the investment that they had outlaid on that video content. So it made me realize, you know, as I kind of saw this more and more with the clients that we were working with, that there was something missing. And that something was the video marketing strategy. And we weren't delivering that for them. They weren't doing that themselves. Um, so I realized that we needed to change. And that kind of kicked off for me, this um, movement into video strategy and video marketing. And now six years later, that's the core of what we do in my business. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, you mentioned um, seeing that. I don't think a lot of creators uh, who specialize in production, they don't recognize that. They're looking for, as you said, they're, they're looking for the next project. Whereas if you were able to help the client on the distribution side, show a KPI, show a result, the client's going to come right back, right? Uh, maybe not next month, but maybe next quarter right? Or several times throughout the year. And it was really, really interesting is because I came about it from a distribution standpoint. I knew how to distribute everything really well, but I didn't know how to do video production very well. And um, when I mean not very well, I didn't know how to do it at all. I had never done it. And what I quickly realized is creators, production companies, they didn't know how to get a client to come back Typically, their client cycle was one client would come back to them every three or four years. And I mean, you know, it's hard to pay the bills when you don't know when, when, <laughs> where your customers are coming from. So yeah. I definitely, you and I definitely saw, I mean, I think that's why we get along. We definitely saw something happening and, and, and started building our companies in a way where it addressed these things. So What's really, again, again, what I, what I really like about the content that you put out and what I've heard you and you've talked about and what we've spoken is how much you rely on the organic side. Uh, because frankly, I can't move the needle unless I'm doing paid, um, just myself. So I think you're, I'm going to learn some stuff from you today. Um, so we can crack this open seven ways a Sunday. Let's just start. What are you guys doing on the organic side? And just start there. Sure. I mean, what it comes down to and what you're touching on there, Julian, is that the the desire and need for video content in the world of digital business or doing any business these days is, is increasing dramatically and continues to increase. Every social media platform is a video platform. Um, and because of that, the, the need to create more organic content using video as a medium is just it's something that every business feels. Now, obviously, when it comes to paid strategies, you know, paid is just really a way of moving people quicker through to to a result, really. Sure. Um, but when it comes to organic, it, you really need to think of it as the slow burn. It's the undercurrent of content that's going to help build relationships with your prospects and your clients, your audience over time. And the way that we look at organic video content in a strategy is about understanding the customer journey that the customer is taking, whether or not you're communicating to the customer or not. Okay, so the idea that a customer is moving from a realization of a need that will eventually lead them to make a purchasing decision, whatever that may be. And then after they make that purchase, the, the journey continues into that phase of advocacy and loyalty, whether they buy again from that, that company, right? Mm. So when you kind of map out that customer journey, we can really clearly see across that full customer funnel that there right. are different ways to use video organically 
to reach and communicate to your ideal audience at different stages along that journey. So mm. at its kind of at its surface level, that's what we look at and how we approach video content organically for a business. It's about understanding the journey that people are going on to buy from you and talking to them in different ways using video and different platforms for video um, across that full full funnel. Right. So I have two questions that are looming in my head based on what you said. The first thing really, really, I, I, I really try and I'm like trying to hold off on it because I, I, I think it's its own part of its discussion. But let's crack it open for a second, actually, now that I think about it. Sure. How are we tracking results and how are we showing our clients that there is a benefit to doing what you're doing? Sure. Look, I think what, what it comes down to with organic is that the metrics that matter at any different stage of that journey that we're talking about that the customer's going on are going to change based on the types of content that you're going to be releasing. Okay. So, and we can unpack this further and probably, you know, we will get further into this in, in this interview as well as the idea that, you know, in its simplest form, there are, I guess, maybe three main stages of the marketing funnel, right? And mm -hmm. typically that's broken down into the awareness stage, the right. consideration stage, and then the conversion stage. So sure. your audience of marketers understand that basic customer funnel. Yep. Right? So when we look at those different, those three main stages, we can look at different goals for video, organic video content across those three stages. So in the awareness stage, which is for people who are effectively cold audiences or, or haven't really heard about you and your brand before, the goal there is what I call brand positioning. So brand positioning content mm -hmm. needs to take a different approach to content that's further down the funnel, like for conversion or for making a sale. Sure. So brand positioning content typically needs to connect on an emotional level with your audience because people buy with emotion and they justify that decision with logic and reasoning further down the funnel, right? So if you can make the right emotional connection with your ideal target audience through telling great stories, through using video that helps them understand that you get them, that you're the right fit for them, that they can actually like you and your brand and what you stand for. It's the idea of kind of, you know, Simon Sinek's idea of starting with the why. Maybe you've seen that uh, that TED talk, right? And he talks about I the have. idea of good, powerful communication starts with the why and then moves out to communicating what you do. And that's the same way that humans kind of work, right? We, we so, need to connect emotionally first. So yeah, the 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 top of the funnel, like. I, the mo most of the people listening to this should know what top of the funnel awareness is. So yeah. when I, I, I appreciate the logic when you have to report to your customer, like, are you showing them numbers of impressions? How are you, wh what kind of metrics are you showing them to prove that we were successful in our awareness stage? Cool. And, and this is, I guess, where we're, where we're getting to here is the idea of the metrics that matter at the top of the funnel are going to be different to the metrics that matter at the bottom. Of the funnel, right. right. Of course. So the top of the funnel metrics are going to be things like impressions, things like views, also some fuzzy metrics, which are harder to measure from the, the hard data, which are things like um, brand sentiment or, you know, brand awareness, for example. And sometimes right. those kind of things, you know, where the campaign or where the budget or where the client allows needs to be measured more by you know, customer survey or, um, you know, by 
you know, asking people in the street, have you heard about us before or have you ever heard of this brand before? That sort of stuff. Like they're harder to measure through traditional digital marketing metrics, but that's the kind of metrics that are going to um, matter at that stage. So for our clients, right. you know, just anecdotally, what we kind of, well, what we tend to see is that for top of funnel content, they're often not as focused on it leading to a direct return on investment sure. as far as dollar sales. What they want to what they want to know is that clients are coming to them feeling like they get them and they know them and they better understand what that brand or business does, and that's kind of immeasurable. Now, again, I don't know your reporting style and how detailed the reporting is. Do you break down your reporting down to the uh, uh, step in the funnel? Or how do you how do you organize your reporting? So we tend to work with clients at different steps of that, at different stages of that funnel. So mm -hmm. we don't have a lot of clients that we're basically working across the full funnel at all the time, right? So, for example, we'll identify with a client that where they need to focus right now is top of funnel, increasing awareness of their brand. So we work with them on campaigns, on videos that are designed to you know, build that brand positioning, and then the data we're reporting back to them on or what we're paying attention to is those those kind of metrics that we talked about there. So impressions, views, Got it. Okay. Reach, and, reach and engagement, you know, those. So the way, the way you'll approach it is you will do a needs assessment of the client. You'll do some, dis what, what people refer to in the industry as discovery. You'll do discovery mm -hmm. and you'll determine what stage of the funnel you, they, you should be focusing on for their organization. Um, at that point, then you run a campaign based on that, and then you're reporting on those metrics. So uh, before yep. we leave awareness, um, my thought is, okay, so you could be reporting on uh, met, uh, the, the metrics of impressions and, and viewership. Do you report at the CPM level? Typically, typically not unless there's some paid um paid spend behind promotion or amplification mm -hmm. of that content. Okay. Which is, which isn't always the case. Like obviously sure. paid can work across this organic strategy to get more people into the funnel or, or show more people this content. And so for a CPM, that's where you'd be, you'd want to be tracking that, right? So that you're, right. you know, you're spending the money in the right way. It, it was interesting. I, I was looking at it a little differently because, um, I'm assuming you charge your clients for video production, right? Yeah. So I was thinking um, on an organic strategy, your CPM would be your costs, not the media buying costs, right? So like how we look at CPM is based on like what it costs us to get in front of people versus on an organic side, it's not costing us, but it's costing um, the company, your agency's fees, right? So I was wondering mm. if you like had any... Um, you looked at it, you looked at that at the at that step. Yeah, I'm with you, and that and that's very interesting to kind of consider that, and it's not something that we consider in that way or position mm -hmm. that kind of CPM model for our clients. The reality okay. is that good brand awareness content, uh, so let's say creating a core brand story film or culture film for a for a business, right? It should have long legs for that business. So just mm -hmm. like you know a new website redesign, for example. It should last you for a couple of years um, sure. if you've invested in that. And that's brand positioning, right? People come to your website. They want to feel like a good emotional connection to that brand and know they're in the right place. 
same with this brand positioning video. So to measure a CPM on something that three years, potentially or more, um, is, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's trickier to measure in that CPM way. No problem. So before we, we leap, um, to the off of awareness, um, I'm going to throw you for a curveball. You ready? Sure. I have a video that we just finished that um, is top of funnel and it's awareness. So you ready to go to the website? Okay. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Right now, Ben is watching one of our top of the funnel video for a live campaign that is running. In a moment, he'll be giving his opinion on the video and determining if it's built for top of the funnel. If you're listening to this audio only and want to watch the video he's going to commentate on, please go to the show notes on the podcast platform you're on. We've put a link directly to the YouTube version that cuts right to this video. If you're driving, please do not do this. Now, let's see what Ben has to say. Welcome back. You just finished watching the Tucker Gunleather deep carry process video. Um, I want you to know that I want you to be very honest with us. Right. Our, our, our listeners want to know exactly, even even though it was produced by my company, we want to we want to hear the honesty behind it. So for the good, the bad and, and the worst, let's hear it. What do you got? Absolutely. Sure. A couple of things. Um, and remembering that I've literally just watched this video once <laughs> right now. Um, so I'm going to try my best to kind of break down what I what I noticed. And as I was watching that, well, first of all, it was it was really well shot. Okay, so for top of funnel content, which is what this is intended to be, and you're and you're um, referring to cinematically. Speaking. Sorry, yeah. As far as production quality, um, yep. looked spot on to me, like well produced, good. which is good. You know, but for top of funnel content, imagining that someone hasn't come across Tucker Gun Leather before, the idea that you want to give a good impression of the brand, so been aware of the brand before so tucker gun leather being the brand here you want to give a good impression of the brand so that it you know people know that it's a, a trusted company so by investing in production quality at the top of the funnel they've made the right decision there for sure um and, so that's and, kind and, of my and, first impression and that. break down what are what are those things that you saw like a lot of our audience what they don't understand is having a director having an assistant camera having uh, a dp having a uh, assistant director talk to us a little bit about what you what you potentially think happened in this production that increased the quality of it sure without going too deep into right. video production uh right. nuance and language and things like sure. that you know sure. basically what what i would have assumed there is that uh, there was a dedicated director or producer who was able to conduct the interviews to keep the uh, the talent, who in this case were the staff of the of the business. Who I use the word talent, but they're obviously not used to being on camera. Many business people aren't used to being on camera, so the skill of a producer or director there, who can focus on getting a relaxed interview from uh, from the people in the business, really can't be underestimated. And mm. also what I, what I note there is that it's not scripted. It hasn't been scripted. This is the way we tend to focus on these sorts of videos as well, is it needs to be authentic and natural and from, from the heart, from the people, um, right. because people buy from people, right? And if you over script it, then it can come across inauthentic and staged. Right. Right. So there's that element. The other element of production there, it was, you know, the time was taken and the investment was taken in, in lighting, in camera equipment, in taking the time to get quality 
B-roll, B-roll being the additional footage that was used to overlay over the, the court interviews to actually, you know, show some of the workmanship of the product and, and things like that. So by investing in some production value, they're creating a, a video that's going to give the right brand impression at the top of the funnel. So that's focused on the technical stuff. Now let's talk about the messaging, I think, because um, this is where I think that uh, probably could get a little bit critical without being overly critical because <laughs> overly, I think this was, this was good and well done for, for what it's intended to do. Where I tend to advise people here at the top of the funnel is, is not to try and do too much with one video. Okay. The idea is if people are watching this video and they're, they're a cold audience, so they're not really sure if they're going to buy from you or if they're going to buy at all, um, or they're doing their research, the goal here is to just get the right uh, emotional connection so that people are like, okay, you've got me, I've bought in, now I'm going to see if I'm going to buy from you. So now I'm going to go further down this journey. And in the case of a website, so this video being front page of the website, the, the goal is to get people to stop searching and to keep searching down your page, not to go back to Google search, basically. Um, the, this video specifically, I think, potentially could have been the ideas that were communicated in the video could have been broken down into a couple of different videos. Mm -hmm. So you basically, you establish the business, you establish the people, the emotional connection. These people obviously, um, you know, are very passionate about the industry, about the quality of products, about the American manufacturing and American sourcing of products. Um, they're passionate about, um, you know, about, gun carrying as well you know so they're passionate and that comes through really nicely there's also a history there which subtly was communicated which i think communicates the right message for this brand or business um you know like a history of the company right. um real people real americans right which i think will resonate with the target audience there sure. then the, the video then went on to communicate some more specifics of different products that they have so more of the detail, the rational stuff of, um, you know, uh, uh, what's the term? The the uh, the materials that they're manufactured from. Some of the specifics of how their different product range. So like, sure. inside the belt carry or outside the belt carry. Some of that is getting, I feel, a bit too deep, and that can be broken down into further videos that people can actually explore when they're looking at those different ranges and things like that. So I think potentially at a three and a half minutes for that video, it could have been brought down to closer to two minutes, which for online attention spans, probably for top of funnel is gonna be more effective. Right. Um, but I, often you are up against the idea of clients wanting to get everything in a video, right? Sure. So I know as a producer, then that can be, that can be tricky. So. Interested to hear from you um, if you have any insight on on how that played out with that client. Yeah, so um, we've been working at this particular uh, project for almost a year now. Um, all the B-roll you shot saw was shot first. We just shot A-roll footage. So for my audience that may not know A-roll, B-roll, B-roll is, and, and, and you guys will see this if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see all the footage of the, uh, the talent using the product, uh, them pulling it out the gun, them on the gun range, uh, all, the all the footage where they're not speaking. 
A-roll is the footage where they're actually speaking. So we shot all the B-roll footage first over, I think it was almost a year ago. Um, the A-roll footage we just shot last month and started uh, chopping up and creating edits. And, and we created this first top of funnel video to start marketing. And I'm actually using it for paid promotion in this particular example. It's actually currently running and active running today. Um, we're testing it with three or four different audiences to kind of get, get gather the feedback. What I think I'm hearing from you is, and correct me if I'm wrong, this video that you're, that you're saying, um, it has awareness, it has consideration, and it has, um, what's the bottom? Convert. It's leaning towards conversion. It's not doing a hard pitch though. So I think right. it's, it's pretty much trying to do the job of two stages of the funnel there, right. awareness and consideration. Whereas I feel that you could um, position that edit slightly differently as being purely about awareness. And then to the goal of that video is to move them through into the consideration phase, which is, you know, maybe it's in a, in an ad funnel, it's about retargeting, or maybe it's about um, getting them to the product pages of the website or um, to spend more time reading through more information on the, on the e-commerce site and so, that sort so of thing. So I, I have a question for you. Um, knowing the differences between what we're referring to as awareness versus convert uh, versus consideration, I don't again, you've only seen it once. So if you don't remember, that's fine. Can you point out something that was consideration in that uh, video so our audience can know what you're talking about? Yeah, I can't recall a specific. Um, it was around about three quarters of the way through. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the content of the interviews of the voiceover started to lean more towards the specific um, ranges that you have, so uh, specific types of product um, for, the, for that uh, holster, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so and going a bit too deep. I think that you could have shown various um, products used in various ways, but when you're getting too deep into that, I think that that's more of a consideration kind of thing. Like why would you want an inside the belt carry versus an outside the belt carry? Or, you know, it, can the product uh, fit guns with scopes or lights on them? Like some of that detail stuff that was in there, I think is valuable information, but more for someone who's now in the consideration phase. Um, and that would have just tightened up the edit as an awareness edit. I, I think I just want to add a one more thing there, which, um, which stood out to me and it was somewhat done. Um, but I think it could have been more deliberately focused on which for, for a brand story video, which is effectively what this is trying to be the, the, um, Tucker gun leather, story right at the top of funnel like who are these guys and why do they exist and what what are they passionate about and mm -hmm. what's important to them i think it's important to position the the business not as the hero of their own story right so mm. in a storytelling sense it's important to recognize that there's always a hero right and the hero needs to be in this case the customer that that person that ideal target audience for that gun holster who is living a better life because they've got this product on their belt, right? So, and I think, although some of the B-roll showed that, I think what I didn't see, which I probably would have liked to have seen more in the B-roll is more, more of the actual lifestyle use case of real people using this product. Maybe mm. not, not on a gun range, you know, actually showing 
people representative of the target audience for that product using the product in in their everyday life and making so so like, not like wow, car I commercials. One of those in my life, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, car <laughs> commercials sometimes do this well, and sometimes they don't, right? But you know, the idea of if it's if it's for example a car commercial for you know a, a soccer mum family or something like that, you will see the car being used to take kids to soccer and you know dirt in the in the um, in the trunk and things like that. You know, that's because they want to actually show you so that you can put yourself in those shoes. And again, I've only seen that video once, but I, I would have liked to have seen a stronger emphasis on the audience, the ideal target audience is the hero in that. And even in some of the language um, from the uh, from the guys from, from the company there, it, to say, you know, we do things this way, but position it that it's because it provides a better result for our audience, right. our customers, right? So right. subtle little stuff like that, which I think could have been a bit more strongly done. It was, there was elements of that in there, but sure. for that type of video, it's, it, it, people watching this, they don't, it's important to recognize they don't care about you. They don't care about your business, right? They don't care whether you've been established 50 years and your grandfather invented this thing, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, like what they care about is, okay, well, how this is going to help me achieve a better outcome in my life. Right. Well, thank you for, um, being such a trooper and going through the process um in my uh, right. teaser episode zero when i did my promo we promised our audience that we would be showing real world campaigns that are actually live and having experts review the type of things that we're doing and seeing you know how they could be better uh the failures the successes so thank you for that um one thing that i have had to do with my customers is really work on making sure video production can be affordable, right? You and I know uh, we can make a $3,000 budget. We can also make a $50,000 budget pretty quickly. Uh, how are you making video affordable and accessible for your customers on an ongoing basis? Because sure, one client can do one video per year, but it's not about doing one video, right? How do we do that? And then factoring in the repurposing of the content and the raw footage that you're creating to make make it last long. Sure. And what you've mentioned there last there, Julian, is one of the key factors there is when you're approaching video content strategically, so you're not just creating video for video's sake and going out there and spending thousands of dollars on making a video, if you're focused more on what is the strategy that's going to move the needle for this business, and then what types of videos should we be creating across that strategy? When you have that thought process in place first, what you can do when you move into production is or what you should be doing is looking at the opportunities to create multiple pieces of content from any given piece of production. Right. So for example, you've got in that example that we just um, went through there, you've got stacks of footage there that basically a library of footage for that business that can be used for different pieces of content further down the funnel um, and depending on how you approach the actual time you spent with the, the people that you're interviewing, potentially you could have done an interview for a brand story type video and then you could have um, you know, spent some time interviewing them more specifically about their product range and the ins and outs of the specific product, maybe do a bit of a walkthrough of a product that can be used more of a sales focused video or a conversion video. Right. Um, so. You could have done that all in one shoot without significant higher investment in production company time if you were using a production company. 
The other thing that I want to mention here, which is really important, is I, I talk about the production versus quantity inverse rule, right? Which is the idea that if you think about the funnel, right? So top of funnel content, um, so the wider end of the funnel being awareness content. And then as you go down to the bottom of the funnel, like the pointy end of the funnel conversion, and then consideration in the middle of the funnel. I want you to kind of flip that funnel upside down. And so now you've got the smaller pointy end at the top, which aligns with the awareness stage of the funnel, right? So awareness, awareness content, you don't need as much of it. So it's the smaller end of the quantity funnel, right? I see so what you're saying. Trying to visually show this, but no, it's kind yeah, of like, I, I mean, I get it. In, this... Inverse triangles, right? <laughs> so right. sometimes it's better to show this visually, but you know, you, know, you don't need as many top of funnel videos, right? But then as you move further down the funnel, you're going to need increasingly more videos because as you get to conversion, I usually recommend at the bottom of the funnel that you actually do have many more pieces of content, almost one video or multiple videos for every single product or or range that you sell and maybe for different you know different conversion videos for different demographics for different areas of the target audience because what's what works at the conversion end is hyper relevant content so if i'm a if i'm a undercover police officer or private detective for example and needing to uh, you know have a concealed gun holster under my belt I have different needs than a, um, you know, cowboy living on the land. I don't know. Right. So I don't know. The industry sure, that no, well, no, but, no, you know, absolutely. So we have, we have both of those clients. Yeah. So they're going to need different sales videos really to be effective. So you're going to need more videos just for that one product. That's maybe broken down into different uh, target audiences and demographics to talk to them and their specific needs. So we've got this inverse kind of thing of like, Top of funnel, you need less videos. Bottom of funnel, you need more videos. But the benefit of that is that you need to spend more budget at the top of the funnel and much less budget at the bottom of the funnel in production, right? So the inverse rule is where it's flipped around again that at the top of the funnel is where the budget needs to be spent, okay? Just like we talked about there, investing in production quality is important to reach cold audiences have never heard about you before. But at the bottom of the funnel, the, the converse of that is that when people are, they're just ready to buy, they just want to know the details, that can be really effective, just a single camera shot, maybe even shot with an iPhone, maybe just consider the audio quality and things like that, can simply just be a salesperson just holding up the product and saying, look, this is this, this is what it does. Look, this, you open this and you close this and you can slip the gun in here like that and, and whatever. Like that kind of video doesn't need high production value and it doesn't need to be expensive. It just you know needs I, to answer the questions that people have. What I've heard from other marketers um, echoes, I believe what you're talking about and tell me if this is something you've seen. User generated content performs really well at the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. Absolutely. And user-generated content there, I'm assuming you mean uh, generated by the, the customers, right? So Correct. if you can, for example, create or encourage customers to film themselves talking about the product, like a, doing a little testimonial or, you know, an unboxing is kind of a cool thing that we see in some products uh, and some industries. That kind of thing can be really powerful for conversion because it's showing proof uh, social proof. It's showing other people who are potentially like you, who's considering buying this product, um, getting enjoyment out of the product. 
the other thing to consider is staff generated content or, mm. you know, internal generated content it hasn't got the same kind of catchy ring as user generated content. But, you know, if you can, cr- there's a good example um, of, of Zappos, the online shoe retailer, for example, who've been doing this for years. So Zappos, because they, you know, typically to buy shoes, you'd go to a bricks and mortar store and you'd try on the shoe and you'd want to just see if it fits and walk around in it, that sort of stuff, right? So the challenge in selling shoes online is that you can't do that. So what they do is, is and this is Zappos specifically, and they've been doing this for years really well, um, really leading the charge in this, is having their staff members and what they do is deliberately choose a staff member who is kind of relatable to the kind of person who would buy that shoe. So if it's a female shoe for a younger female, it would be a younger female staff member who would be presenting this this uh, sales video. And um, it's really straightforward in production. It's like they're just standing at a desk. They've got the shoe in front of them and they're talking as if you would to a friend or as if you would in a bricks and mortar store trying to sell someone the shoe. You'd say, look, this is the shoe. It's good for this sort of thing. This is how bends and flexes. Look, I'm going to try them on and I'm going to walk here and here's me walking in the shoe. So it's kind of doing what you would do yourself, but you're just watching someone who's like you doing it um, on video. And so that kind of thing can be really effective. And Zappos have on almost every single one of their shoes, they have one of those types of videos. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, If you're watching the YouTube version, maybe we'll try to find you a copy of that so you guys can see this. I don't want to make this episode much longer, but I do want to ask one question. Uh, It's been a trending question. It always has been a very, very popular question. Attention spans. They are dwindling. I mean, they're tiny at this point, and they're probably going to go only get tinier, right? We're seeing them just trend down. So how do you attempt to avoid a user by scrolling past the video? And what are you guys doing deliberately and intentionally to stop that from happening? Okay, I love this question. And first of all, I want to push back on the idea that attention spans are dwindling because the reality is, is they're not, okay? Mm. There's, there's noise out there. There's a lot more noise, so it's harder to gain attention, which is mm. what we're talking about here is preventing them from scrolling past. And we'll talk about that in a moment. I think the critical thing is that people will still spend time watching videos if they're watching the right video that's relevant to them and their needs that they have at that time. Okay, so for example, we talked before around cold audiences potentially not having a long enough attention span to watch a three and a half minute video, which is absolutely true in certain circumstances if that video isn't just talking directly to them and their needs right now. And when we talk about cold audiences, that's the thing is that they're the video that you're showing them, they probably don't, they're not thinking about it right now, right? However, when they're at the conversion end of the journey, someone will happily watch a 10 minute video before they invest in something worth a couple of thousand dollars because they need that information and they're interested and engaged in that. So attention spans are you know, relevant to the stages of the customer journey that we've talked about. And they're also relevant to how valuable this content is to someone watching it. But how do we stop people scrolling, right? That was your question there of like, of how do we capture attention in a busy, oversaturated news news feed, basically. And what it comes down to is, is, well, two things. It's about creating content that's native to the platform in okay. whatever way is possible. So what I mean by that is if it's a video that 
is being displayed on Instagram, then you need to be considering the native aspects of Instagram, which is creating in a square aspect ratio, for example, using uh, a highly visual opening couple of seconds because it auto plays in an Instagram feed. So you need to, or it auto plays with the sound off in the Instagram feed. So you need to recognize the, you've got one or two seconds before someone scrolled past that. How are you gonna capture their visual attention um, with something that is about them or the pain they're feeling or something that's going to pattern interrupt their, their day, you know, to, to kind of stop them scrolling and go, oh, what is that? Or, oh, I need to know more about that. Or that looks interesting to me. So visual hooks um, at the start is really important. Also, when it comes to platform native, it's understanding various platforms that play without sound on. You need to think about using embedded captions or burnt in captions. So if there's words that are spoken in the video, most people are watching without the sound on, particularly on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn video. So you need to be burning in the captions there, which is basically the, the words that are said are text on the screen at the same time. So people can absolutely watch without the sound on. So there, there are a couple of key tips. We could, we could unpack more if you like, Julian, but I think if people can start doing that better, that's a good start. So let's give one more. Why don't you throw one more at us before we head off? Sure. The other thing is probably the structure, right? So when we talk about attention, we can stop the scroll. We can get them to pay attention for the first couple of seconds, but how are you going to keep them from scrolling on. Okay, so that comes down to the actual structure of the video and recognizing, like we said before, that your content is not about you. It's about how your how your brand, your business, or your content helps that ideal audience member. So if you don't know from with any given piece of content, what do I want someone to do, think, or feel when they watch this video, then you're probably not communicating to them effectively enough. So when you know what the outcome for someone, for an audience member watching this particular video is, then you can structure your video to move them clearly towards achieving that outcome. And often what that comes down to is, yes, you hook them with a good thumb stopping, thumb scrolling, stopping sure. uh, opening, but then you need to provide value first. Okay, there's, there's a difference between the way that 30 second TV commercials were created you know, five years ago, or even are today for, for TV, because you've kind of, you're watching the, the TV commercial and then they usually reveal at the end what the brand is. And it's like, oh, okay, that's a, you know, that's a Mazda ad or, or you know, right. that's for Ford or Ferrari, whatever, you know, for cars. Um, but for online content, it needs to, you need to lead with the value. So you need to start with the brand impression. You need to start with the value that someone's going to get by buying this product because you haven't got the same level of, I, I won't say attention spans, but you haven't got the same level of attention focus on these digital platforms than you do on traditional broadcast. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Ben, um, I definitely have learned quite a bit. Um, thank you for commenting on the video. Um, I, I was really, really excited about this and I feel very, very uh, happy and filled with a lot of good, useful things. And I hope my audience will have that too. So thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. This has been fun. All right, Ben. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Okay. Take care.